Today we're going to be continuing in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Let's read it. First, starting in verse 12, says, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you to both desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to this message of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even as I am poured out as a drink offering on the the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you in the same way you should also and be glad and rejoice with me. So there's a lot happening again here in this text. And it's been, I've, I've really enjoyed walking through Philippians, just kind of going through it verse by verse because there's so much that comes out of this. There's so much just cool stuff that we get whenever we kind of just go through the, the scripture verse by verse versus me coming up here, verse by verse, verse, instead of me coming up here and just thinking of different topics to talk about. And the reason, it's just, it's just really cool because we get so much that maybe we wouldn't have talked about normally, right? So much that maybe we would have missed if we didn't walk through um, the scriptures together. And so one thing that's interesting as I was reading this, this one, this text this week, and just studying it, and I was reading one commentator talking about it, and something happened in this, in his, what he was saying about this text, that you usually don't have happen a lot when somebody's talking about the Bible, uh, is he likened this text to rap music. That's not where you expected me to go with that, was it? Where is he going? Right. What he says, he talks about, he says the challenge of this text, of this scripture passage right here, is he's, the goal is that, is that we Christians, if you notice that once by he says, would shine like stars in the sky. He's saying that we would shine bright in this world, in this world that's kind of decaying. And as he, I mean, you can tell Paul doesn't think a whole lot about the Roman world. He calls it a perverted generation. He doesn't, he doesn't think too highly of it, right? In this, in this generation that Christians would shine out bright like the stars. And he, how he compared it to rap music was he said, he, he quoted the Christian rapper Ambassador. So I'm, sh- I'm sure that all of you guys are familiar with him um, deeply. Um, so this, this rapper Ambassador, he was talking, he said, here's why hip-hop and rap music is the way it is. And here's why it's so, his opinion is why it's so flashy and focused on, um, hey, here's how much money I have. Here's how, you know, check out my, you know, goal, you know, whatever. Why, he said, why rap music is so flashy? He says, because when you've gone from having nothing and being dirt poor and not even knowing where your next meal's coming from, to I can literally buy whatever I want. You want to show that off. He says, you kind of want the world to see, look how far I've come. And he likened that to the Christian walk in the sense of as Christians, we've gone from, if, if as a Christian, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you're now a follower of Jesus, you've gone from literally death and loss and nothing to having everything to having salvation, to having hope, to having true life, as Jesus calls it, abundant life for the first time. He says, as a Christian man, you should want to show that off. 
you should want to, um, to quote another rapper, get your shine on, man. And it's not in a flashy way, not like, not like, hey, check out what I got, but in the sense of I've gone from nothing to having everything, and I want everyone to see the reason why. And so Paul's challenge here for us, for the Christians, is that we would get our shine on. Now it's going to be interesting how he challenges us to do that. It always is. It's never like as, well, you'll see. Let's just jump in. Verse 12, he says, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul starts off, and it sounds kind of strange. He says, my dear friends, just as you always have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even in my absence, what he's saying is, hey, guys, Philippian church, you guys have done a great job. While I was with you, you were living the Christian life. You were walking the Christian walk. And now that I've gone away, now that I've gone to other churches on my missionary journey, you guys are still doing it. You guys are doing it even more. And so this is Paul. He's like proud of him. It's like a proud dad. Like, man, you guys are doing great. He's encouraging me to say, hey, just as you always have, and even since I've gone, you guys are still doing it. You're still persevering. You're still pushing. He's saying, I'm proud of you guys. He's saying, so just as you always have, he's, he's encouraging him. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Is he saying, like, we need to work for our salvation? No. Some of you thought I might say yes. Like, oh, I'm leaving, right? I'm just kidding. There's actually tons of implications with this, like, like that challenge Paul is saying, hey, just as you guys have always done it, Christian, work out. Like, remember, he's talking to Christians. So he's saying, work out your salvation. What is he saying? There's tons, of, there's tons of places we could go with this, but simply put, what he's saying is, examine your life and ask the question, am I following Jesus daily? There's that quote, right? The unexamined life is not a life worth living. You ever heard that? Something like that. It's, it's the same thing. He's challenging them saying, hey, Christians, look at your life, compare your life, check out your life, watch how you're living and compare it to Jesus. Am I daily walking like Jesus? Am I growing more like Jesus? Am I becoming more like Jesus daily? Examine, he's saying, examine your Christian walk. Check it out. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to examine yourself. Don't be afraid to, to look at yourself to see how I'm living. He said, look at Jesus' example. What we want to do, he's saying, follow the example of Jesus with your life. Am I and, and it's really cool because in the earlier passage, what we just read last week, the, the song where Paul's singing about the greatness of Jesus, how he came down to earth, how he, um, how he gave himself up, how he poured himself out, even to death, gives us a great example of a living the Christian life that's humble, that's other-focused, that glorifies God, right? We have a beautiful example in Jesus, and what Paul is challenging the church, he's challenging the Christian to do is he's saying, don't be afraid to step back and examine your walk. Work out your salvation. Am I looking more like Jesus daily? Is it affecting my life? Is it impacting the daily decisions that I make? Am I becoming more like Jesus? A life that glorifies God, a life that follows uh, after God. Like, is my faith playing out in my life daily? Examine your walk. Because the thing about this if we're not careful, like we all want to be like, like there's no, I don't think there's anybody in here that would, that would say I'm a Christian and then say, I don't want to be like Jesus, right? Like, I don't think those are, like those are, those go together, right? Like if I was like, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you want to be like Jesus? No, right? No, we, we do want to be like Jesus. 
So Paul's challenge here is we want to be like Jesus. So what we have to do is step back and take inventory of our life sometimes. Like, it's not like the challenge here isn't to um, beat yourself up. The challenge here isn't to like just like rake yourself over the coals. Like anybody ever seen Monty Python in the Quest for the Holy Grail? You ever see the monks, they're just walking, they're beating themselves as they're walking. Like this isn't what he's talking about here. But the challenge here is, Christian, don't be afraid. You need to step back and, and consistently have a time where you examine your life and ask the question, am I becoming more like Jesus? Because we all want to be like Jesus, right? Okay, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But the thing about it is that if we want to be like Jesus, there's no shortcuts to being like Jesus, right? Like, um, so <laughs> whenever I was in high school, um, I'm, you know, maybe you guys are different. I'm sure no men in, in here are like this, but, you know, a big part of my adolescence was wanting to be attractive to women. <laughs> that was a thing that was going on there. I'm not so worried about it anymore. Um, but, like, that's the whole reason why I learned how to play guitar. <laughs> like, to be honest, I'm like, women will like this, right? Um, but <laughs> I'm being too honest here, I'm sorry. That extra hour of sleep was not good. Um, but anyways, so, like, there's a lot, so... I remember being a teenager and watching, there was this, this infomercial for like the ab rocker, or ab, some kind of thing, right? And with the, the whole thing that they did was, and it sounds insane as an adult, I'm like, how did I think this works? But they would take these pads and they show like this guy that was like 500 pounds, you know, and he'd like put the, these like little pads on him and he would like electrocute his abs. Have you ever seen that? He's like, like as he's like, it works great, you know, and he's like electrocuting himself, and then it would show him like, you know, one week later, and it's, he, he's like got more hair, and he's tan, and looks 20 years younger, you guys know what I'm talking about, have you ever seen that, because it's a real, this is a real thing, I'm telling you, and like, I as a teenager, I was like, I want that, you know, like, women will love me, right, and I mean, it worked out, hey, right, Katie, oh, shit. anyways, um, the whole point of all of that is that just as like that was really stupid, it would never work, it was just a shortcut. It was a shortcut to here's how I can get fit, here's how I can get what I want, here's how I can look how I want to look, here's how I can be who I want to be. But the truth is there's no like shortcuts. Like to be like Jesus, to have a life that looks like Jesus' life, there's not like some special pill that I can take and just... I am Jesus now. I look like Jesus, right? There's no shock treatment that we can do on our abs to make us look like Jesus, to be a picture of Jesus. Like the truth is, it does take work. And it does take daily discipline. And it does take effort of this is something that I want to do, right? As, as the Christian, as an individual, something that we pursue. Every day, we're working out our salvation. Every day, we're making choices to become more like Jesus or less like Jesus, right? Like, and, it, and it's this, this theological term called sanctification of where God is making us daily more like him. There's no special pill. There's nothing that we can take. It's, like, it's, it's, it's a process. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it takes work, and sometimes, sometimes it does hurt, right? Like there's this, uh, there's this video, I kind of wanted to play it, but it was really long, so I didn't, but it's these guys called the Skit Guys, and it's this really cool video of, there's two of them, and one's playing like this clay, like he's supposed to be like a mold of clay human, another person's Jesus or God, and he's walking up, he's like, hey, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you more like me, 
He's like, okay, well, how are you going to do that? And he says, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to chip away every part of you that's not like me. And in the end, you're going to look like me. And so he walks up and he's like, ding, ding, ding. And the guy's like, oh, that hurts. Stop. And he's like, well, I'm working on some selfishness here you got here. He's like, ding, ding, ding. He's like, oh, I don't like that. He's like, I got some lust. And, and it kind of reveals in a funny way that process of like what Jesus is doing through this sanctification is chipping away all the pieces of us that don't look like him to become like him. And sometimes that's a hard process. Sometimes it's a really cool process. Like sometimes it's really great and awesome and fun and good. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it takes discipline. Sometimes it takes literally dying to parts of us that we don't want to die to, right? And so that's what's wrapped up here in this challenge where Paul's looking at us and he's saying, Christian, work out your salvation. Examine your life. Examine yourself. Am I becoming more like Jesus or am I becoming less like Jesus? And sometimes it's the simple stuff, right? Like sometimes it's like, am I really impatient? Am I getting better at patience? Like Katie, on the way here, I was, you know, sometimes these sermons just punch me in the face myself. Like we were on the way here and we stopped the light and I was like, this stupid light. Every, we always get stuck here. Like, there's not even anybody here. Like there's nobody going this way. Why are we sitting here? And Katie just looked at me and she's like, you know, Mike, you complain about this light every week. And I was like, all right, I'm about to go preach a sermon on complaining. <laughs> this is not good, right? Am I loving people a little bit? Am I being more patient and loving with my wife and kids even when it's harder, right? And the simple stuff. Am I, am I like being a kind person, you know? The truth is, is that we like fast food. We like microwave choices. Like before I married Katie, um, I was too lazy to make a sandwich. Like that's how impatient I was, okay? So I've got like, she would come over to my house and she'd be like, what are you eating for lunch? I'm like, oh, this little microwave meal that I got. And she's like, well, what else do you have in the fridge? And it's just microwave meals. And she, I remember one point she's like, I have to marry you so I can cook for you because you're going to die. <laughs> like you can't do this too much longer. But we like, the, we like the quick fixes. We like the microwave meals. We want God to come in and just fix my marriage now. We want God to do this now. Just come in and do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Zap and make it all better. And the truth is, is that it doesn't quite work like that all the time, right? Like there's sometimes, like you hear the stories, like I have a good friend and he got, he was, you know, he did a lot of drugs and he got saved. And then he literally, after he got saved, he put his, the Coke that he had left over like set it on the table in his kitchen and just left it there for two weeks because as he said, I want to see if it takes. He said, I want to see if this Christian thing takes. He literally had no more desire to do drugs anymore after you guys say, that's awesome. But it doesn't always work out that way, right? Like sometimes God working in our lives and transforming us takes time and discipline and effort. And it's, 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 sometimes it's hard, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. And so I want to encourage this, man. Examine life, be, but be patient. Following Jesus is a daily choice. To be more like him is a daily choice. It's what one guy called, it's called the long obedience in the same direction. Does that make sense? It's, it's consistently, daily, making the same choice over and over. Like, we all know, and I've been the guy, to use the workout analogy again, who, like, gets excited, I'm going to get ripped, right? And so I go buy, like, all the workout clothes, like, spend, like, thousands of dollars on supplements. Advocare owns, like, my house right now, you know? Like, all that kind of stuff. And I work out for two hours for a week, and then I'm, like, look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I see a difference. And then the next week, I'm like, just, I don't want to do that anymore, Right? That didn't do me a whole lot of good, but we also, but we also know the guy that like, I'm going to go run one day. And so do a 15-minute workout here every day, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, then 15 minutes becomes 30 minutes, then 30 minutes becomes 45 minutes, then 45 minutes becomes an hour, and then a year later they look like a totally different person, right? 
That's kind of the process where it's the long obedience in the same direction. It's daily making the choices to be like Jesus, even in the small things. Even in the small things. You don't want to just inspire you and get you pumped up about being a Christian and then like you be that guy that just goes, oh, that's why such a focus on there, man. We want this to be a place of worship and inspiration, but I also really hope that we prepare you as well, like give you good tools to walk that walk daily. So this is Paul's challenge, saying as a Christian, sometimes you need to step back. You need to, to examine yourself. Am I becoming more like Jesus or am I becoming less like Jesus? And then there's that second part that he talks about right there, right? He says, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That's terrifying, right? He's like, you need to be afraid, Christian. That's not, that's not quite where he's going with this. Like there's, um, anybody ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. So this, this is one of my favorite, and one of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies. Um, so in there, so Proverbs 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in there, there's this picture, there's Aslan the lion, right? And Aslan stands for this, he's a picture of Jesus. And so they're talking about Aslan and this little girl, I have the quote here. She's talking about him. He says, Aslan is a lion, the, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. So she's seeing that this guy, this king is a lion. He says, is he quite safe? I shall rather feel nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. I love this. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's a good king, I tell you. And I love that because in that, in just that quote, that's like of all the books I've read, that's my favorite quote right there. Anything I've ever, except for the Bible, got to say that, except for the Bible. That's my favorite quote right there. Of course he isn't safe, but he's a good king, right? And that's kind of a picture of our God is he's both like terrifying and great and big and beautiful, but he's also not very safe. Like, since being a Christian, since following him, like, I've done a lot of things that didn't feel safe to me, okay? Like, moving to Belize, moving to Mississippi, moving to Georgia, moving back here to plant a church is terrifying. None of those things are safe, but they've all been beautiful and great and really cool. But I don't want us to lose the picture of who our God is and just being like, yeah, he's, he's good. Paul wants us to understand the greatness of our God. He is great and mighty and powerful and king. We don't need to be in fear of him, but we also need to understand that he's no pet. He's no kitty cat, right? Like he is literally breathed the world into existence with a, with a word from his mouth. That is someone that we should have a healthy fear of, don't you think? Like even a tame lion, like if Siskel and Ebert came in here and was like, hey, I have a lion, he's safe, you can touch him. You don't approach that thing. Like you're not gonna run up and be like, hug, Right, like little a kid might, you know, but that kid is dumb. <laughs> right? <laughs> we need to have the health and that's kind of what Paul's saying here is as you're working out salvation, as you're walking the Christian life, what we need to do is not be in fear trembling in the corner of God, but we sure as heck better be in awe of our God. We need to understand his majesty. We need to understand his power. We need to understand his greatness and we need to be really grateful for how good and kind he's been to us. And how fortunate we are as Christians to be able to call ourselves Christian. And that in of itself, as we're in awe of our God, as we're in awe of our King, that should inspire us to want to be more like him, to want to follow him daily. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of what Paul's saying. He's saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation in view of the greatness of your God, the power of your God, the majesty of your God. And that should guide you and give you this desire to want to be more like Jesus. We should live in awe of him. 
and that all should lead us to obedience of him. Verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you to both to desire and work out his good purpose. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out for his good purpose. I love this because Paul, he always gives us the command and then he gives us the reason behind it, right? Like if you've noticed through Philippians, Paul has constantly been pointing out one thing to us and it's this constant thing that says life's not just about you. Like everything I've have, I'm doing here, there's a bigger purpose, there's a bigger plan, there's something more at stake. And this is really cool because this, ta- this text promises that God is actively working in your life to transform you, to change you, not just um, giving you the desire to be transformed, to be changed, to be more like Jesus, but he's giving you the power and the ability to do it. That's really cool. And not only that, he says he's doing all of this for one thing, for his good purpose. And so sometimes living the Christian life is hard and sometimes it takes discipline and sometimes it is exhausting. Sometimes we do feel beat up and sometimes you feel like you're not getting anywhere, right? Like if we're honest, there's just days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months where you're like, I don't even feel like I've grown. I don't feel like anything's happening. I don't, but no, God is actively, this is a beautiful promise in scripture. God is actively working in your life. How cool is that, man? Like the times that you feel like nothing's happened, the times that you feel like I'm not getting, God is still actively working in you. He's still at work in your life for his good purpose and it's beautiful. So when you feel tired, when you feel beat up, when you feel exhausted, when you feel like I'm not getting anywhere, don't give up. Stay encouraged. Know that God is in work in you and he's doing it for something incredible. He's doing it for his good purpose. I love that, man. Like for me, that just, that just encourages me. It's like, God, thank you that this isn't just about me. And thank you that it's not just about my effort, that even when I feel tired and I feel beat up, you're still working and at work in me. It's beautiful. So Paul says all of this. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm, you know, examine your life. God is doing these incredible things in you for an incredible purpose because he's for his goodwill in you. And then he says this really encouraging thing, 14, and do everything without grumbling and arguing. You ever read the Bible and you just want to slap Paul in the face? You're like, why did you say that, man? Like, why do we got to go here? Like, why can't we just focus on, okay, be more like Jesus? Because he's like, be more like Jesus. He's doing some really great things in you. And don't be a complainer. Come on, Paul. Give us a break. It seems like it's this like shift in theme, but it's really not. It's, it's actually, it all fits together. Paul is challenging the Philippians to be, to persevere to live the life daily, to keep grinding and fighting, um, to not give up. Because per- perseverance is hard sometimes, right? Like walking the daily life is, is hard. Discipleship isn't easy. God pointing out the things that we need to change, ways we need to grow, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we step back and we examine ourselves and we don't like what we see, right? And sometimes what happens is the temptation to complain or grumble comes in. And I would think that it's kind of a temptation for anyone, right? Like you've ever heard, you heard the saying, to err is human? I would say to complain is even more human, right? Like we, we, we I am a complainer. Hear me, I, my name is Mike and I like to complain, right? <laughs> if we're just honest about it, right? Amen, right? Like what is it that binds employees together more than anything? Getting together and complaining about the boss, right? We love that, right? We love that. <laughs> the temptation to complain is a common language in our culture. 
Paul's challenging us here as Christians to be the opposite of that. He's challenging us to have a joyful attitude in spite of the challenges that we face. The desire, and the thing that we have to look at is the desire to complain often comes in because we're focused on the wrong things. We're focused on the situation, or we're focused on what we don't have, or we're focused on what we think we deserve, or we're focused on how hard we work. The challenge for us as Christians is to change our focus in those times. To focus not on what we don't have, but how blessed we are. To focus on how good God has been to us. Like, it's really easy to complain about not having a million dollars until you realize that there's people in the world that, like, don't have food at night. Like, the truth is, attitude is all about perspective. Right? Like, we all know those people, and I'm sure there's none of them in here, but we all know those people that it doesn't matter what the situation is, their circumstances is, they're just a complainer right? Like, and, and being a pastor is kind of part of my job is like, it's the business of people. And so we, I've seen people where it's like, circumstances change, but the complaining doesn't change, right? Like the same guy that's complaining about being poor, like not having enough money with, you know, anyways, I'm not gonna go there. All right. But the point is, is that gratefulness is about perspective. And so Paul's challenge here for us as Christians is to, whenever we get the temptation to complain or or to grumble, or to be frustrated, is to try to change our perspective. Try not to focus on that thing that's driving us crazy, but focus on the bigger picture. Gratefulness is all about perspective, not circumstance. So Paul says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you will shine like the stars in the world. Once again, Paul gives us the reason behind the command. He says, Christian, I want you to examine your life. I'm working and willing in you to do good for my good purpose. He says, and I want you to do without complaining or arguing. He says, for this purpose. Because there's a world out there and they're watching you. There's a world out there and the purpose is that you would shine as Christians, you would shine in that world like stars in the sky. So I talked about this before, but whenever I was 18, after I graduated high school, I moved to Belize, um, Central America, and did um, live there for a year and did some really cool stuff. One of, what I got, one of the things I got to do was on the weekends, I would travel about an hour and a half away from the village I was living in to go help with this church and like teach them. I was helping like teach guitar and like different kinds of things like that. And it was about an hour and a half drive. And part of the drive was through what they called cane fields. You ever had sugar cane, like sugar cane fields? And so part of the drive, about 30 minutes of it was through these sugar cane fields. And side note, uh, what they were notorious for was they were a great place for drug planes to land <laughs> because they were like just these open fields. And so the drug planes would land, drop off the drugs, and then take off because there's plenty of space, right? So anyways, I was driving through these, these cane fields. And, uh, but one of the first weekends I was there, I was driving by myself, and I was just looking, and like I, looking at the sky and seeing the stars, and like I've been in a lot of different places. Like my mom's from Tennessee in the country, my dad's from Mississippi, so I've been out in the country where I've seen, you've seen the stars, just gorgeous, right? Like beautiful. But as I was driving, I had never seen the stars like this. I, it was so much so that I knew that there was like drug planes probably landing, but I had to pull off on the side of the road and just crawl on top of the van I was driving and just sit there for like 20 minutes because the stars were so beautiful 
and majestic. It was like they were sitting on top of me, right? It was the most, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I just, had to, I just had to hang out there and just experience it. And when I think of this passage, I always think of that night. I always think of that moment of Paul saying to us, Christian, I want you to shine like that in the sky to the world around you. Because what Paul sees, he says, Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, is watching you. He has that in view, right? Like if you're a business owner and call yourself a Christian, you're like people talking, you're like, well, I thought you're a Christian. How could you do? Like literally, I did a fantasy football trade and the guy got mad at me because I backed out of the trade and was like, well, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to do this. Like, what does me being a pastor have to do with fantasy football? But the world is watching. <laughs> if you call yourself a Christian, the world is watching. And Paul always, he has that in view. He has that in, in mind here. He says, you call yourself a Christian, you're being watched what will be seen. Our culture is filled with the norm of being, it's okay to complain, argue, be ungrateful. But Paul's saying, what will be seen in you, Christian? And his challenge is, what if instead of being, just filling in that norm and and going with the flow on the complaining and the arguing and the ungratefulness, what if what is seen is a humble heart? What, is, what if what is seen is a grateful heart? What, is, what if what is seen is a heart that praises God regardless of the circumstances? A heart that says, no matter what happens to me, just the fact that I get to be a Christian means I'm better off than I deserve. That's a really hard challenge though, isn't it? Like it sounds great, but we're like, like I'm complaining about getting stopped at the traffic light. And yet it's Paul's challenge to us nonetheless. And we ask the question, right, like, like, that sounds like something really simple, right? Like, could it be that something that simple would be that groundbreaking? Could it be that something that simple is just changing our perspective and focusing on being thankful and grateful as we celebrate Thanksgiving instead of complaining? Could it be that groundbreaking? Could it, could it, like, actually make us stand out? I would say maybe so. One, because the Bible says so, so that's kind of a hint that we should go for that. Um, But two, just pay attention. Like next time you're at work or hanging out with people or whatever, just pay attention to the conversation and how easy it is to go towards complaining. Literally, don't do it now, but, you know, as we're leaving church, open your phone and your Facebook app. Look at how many people are like, I love Jesus, I hate the world, right? Like, especially right now, the election season, there's a little bit of complaining going on for everybody. I might have complained about that like 10 minutes before service. But what if we could be a light in that? Like what if the challenge for us is that in a world where the trend is to complain, we could stand out and simply not complain? And and like I know that's not something that's just going to click and be that way, but what if we could work towards that? What if in that, we would shine like stars in the sky in this generation be, just by simply being grateful and being thankful. Because Paul's saying all of this is for one reason, that people would see Jesus in your life. All of these challenges that he's giving us, he's saying examine your life, um, learn to not be complaining. All of this is focused on one purpose, that the world would see Jesus in your life, in my life, in our lives. Verse 16, he says, hold firmly to the message of life and then I can boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. Everything in this 
book in Philippians is pointed, right? That it's something about something more than us. And what Paul's saying is do these things, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, learn to live this way. And at the end of your life, you can say, I didn't run for nothing. I didn't do this for nothing. It wasn't without purpose, but it was something bigger than myself. My life counted. And then verse 17, this is crazy. Like all the things Paul says, this is like one of the craziest. He says, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, basically, even if I get killed for this, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So even if I get killed for these things that I'm saying, for being a Christian, I'm glad, okay? In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So even if I get killed for this, throw a party for me, man, because it was worth it and it was awesome. That's a pretty cool perspective. You talk about somebody that's not, that knows how to not be a complainer, kill me. Oh, party, baby. I lived a great life. I want to have that attitude, right? Like driving down traffic, getting stopped at a stoplight, like, awesome, I get an opportunity to change the channel on the radio station. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I think there's some big challenges for us in this, don't you think? Some big challenges for us. So Paul's challenge for us today is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Step back and this week, examine your life. Take, take, yeah, examine your life. I don't know what word I was trying to go there. Look at it. Am I daily making choices to be more like Jesus? Is, is, my, is my faith impacting the choices I make on a daily right, decision? And then secondly, that challenge, man, as you look into your workplace, as you get on Facebook, if you, as you think about the things that you're putting out in the world, what am I projecting? What is the attitude I'm projecting? What is the spirit I'm projecting? Is it one that points people to Jesus or is it one that's just going right along with the flow of the grumbling and the complaining? Let us learn to not be um, just people that just go along with the status quo, but people who are grateful, who are thankful, who consistently point to Jesus and in a really incredible way, what that does is it takes our eyes off of ourselves and points to something beautiful and incredible and so much bigger than us. Really the only thing worth pointing our lives towards, right? Father, I love you. Thank you so much for your scripture today. Lord, sometimes it's challenging and sometimes it's hard. Like, just the, like I don't like to take step back and examine my life. I don't like to stay, step back and look, am I, right? Like it's hard and sometimes it hurts and sometimes I don't like what I see. But God, I pray that you would, um, really I pray that, as, that you would give us the strength to do that. And then as we do that, we would see how we are becoming more like you. We see how we are being transformed by you. We see something that we like, Father. And I pray that as you challenge us and as you grow us, it would just be good and fruitful. Father, I pray that you would help us as Christians to shine like stars in the sky, that when people see us, what would be seen is you in our lives. What would be seen is how you've transformed our lives, see how you've changed our lives, God. That we would point to the only thing that's worth pointing to, Father, and that's you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.